This is how we overcome We're moving out Keep us up Reaching to the world Arms open Arms open Yeah This is how we practice Well, welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Erica. I'm Steve. And I'm Sarah. And we are here celebrating with you all. uh, Let's call it Happy Epiphany Tide. As we are recording, we are in the very late days of Christmas Tide, almost ready to celebrate Epiphany. And by the time we all get to listen to this conversation, we'll have just celebrated uh, Epiphany, which comes after the 12 days of Christmas. And that got us thinking about how we celebrate or observe this day. So... Tell us, Sarah, how are we going to unpack this today? So I think that this is going to be a fairly similar episode to things that we've done before, but we wanted to really kind of lift up some of these practices again, because I think that they're good and useful and helpful ways to observe and to celebrate Epiphany. Um, and I one of the ways that I know I'm going to be celebrating this year in worship um, is by using Epiphany Star Words, which is a fairly new practice. Um, I it's really I can't find the history of this at all on the internet, but it seems to be fairly recent, like maybe a decade, maybe two yeah. at the most. Like it's a really new thing. Um, but it's taking it's it's the idea of letting a word guide you through the year in the same way that the Magi used the star to lead them to Jesus. So it's like a guiding word. And it's and it ties in nicely because Epiphany is always January 6th, which mm-hmm. is just six days into the new year. And this is like has a very similar vibe to New Year, New Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like we, we like doing stuff like that. So um, the I've seen it both ways on the internet about either the word is given to you it's a gift just like the magi gave um gold and frankincense and myrrh um it's a gift you're given it you don't get any choice in the word Um, but i've also seen it used as a discernment prayer practice where you do get to pick the word it Mm -hmm. is the thing that like what word is the holy spirit guiding you to not just here's your word and hopefully you can find some meaning from it in the next year. But like, no, it's a thing that you and the Holy spirit like kind of pick together. To me, like that, that helpfully describes one of the real I, I think blessings, but also challenges of a practice like this is that you, you're looking for something that sort of splits the difference that on the one hand doesn't feel like it is um, the, the arbitrariness almost of like the, placement at the Chinese Zodiac at the Chinese restaurant, you know, it's like, ah, you're born the year of the rabbit. Therefore, these things are true for you. You know, you have no control Mm -hmm. over that, which feels kind of made up. Um, And on the other hand, you don't want it to just be, well, here's what I want to be my goal for life. So here's what I'm like, you got to find some place in the middle. Like, how do I listen for what's God leading me to in this year? What would be helpful for me? Um, And that there's got to be some interplay um, between how I'm thinking about this word or idea again, maybe printed on a star or something like that. Um, and that also the idea that that's that something that you might not have chosen for yourself might be handed to you or given to you. And that whether it's whether it's sort of that subconscious nudge of the Holy Spirit or someone else has externally said, here, this is for you. Um, something like that is, is, is important, I think. Yeah. And like I've seen um, also like people like if you draw a word out of a cup, 
for example, yeah. and it like immediately you look at it and you go, mm, I don't think this is it. You could mm-hmm. always sure. draw a new word. Sure. Um, the way that I'm choosing to do it this year, because this is the first year I've led a congregation with Epiphany yeah. Star Words, is um, I am giving people the choice. Mm-hmm. So I have both a cup full of words. Like, I think mm-hmm. there's like 200 words in this cup uh, mm-hmm. so that you can reach in and draw, just pick a word. Yeah. Um, and then I also have a resource available from Illustrated Ministry. Mm-hmm. It was like a $4 purchase or something like that. It's a whole packet. And it includes, though, like one of the sheets of paper is a star with a whole bunch of words printed in it. Mm-hmm. And you take some time in prayer and like just kind of look at the star. And if you find that there is a word in the star that you keep being drawn to, that you keep coming back to, yeah. that's your word. Yeah, yeah. And that that that's helpful to hear, too, for people who might be hearing about this idea and thinking, oh, I like the idea of a word that might be something to guide me through the year, focus my thoughts. How would I choose what, what that is? Yeah, there are some resources out there where they're you know, already sort of pre-selected for you. And as as people of the particular faith that we have, there's you're going to guess that, that that trajectory of words is going to have some kind of connection to our broad Christian faith in some, in some way that feels compatible. So it's not going to be just random nouns out of a dictionary. It's not going to be, oh, I got aardvark this year, or, um, you know, they, they, they'll be uh, things that, that might be faith appropriate, that kind of thing. We're, where I am, we're doing this for the first time. And, um, I was brainstorming and like it started with the fruit of the spirit and um, you know, so faith and hope and joy and love like and, and I ended up with like a list of like 30 some uh, that sense of like, there's a, there, there's a, you're in, in a sense, stacking the deck, even if people are choosing for themselves, they're choosing from a set of things that uh, mm-hmm. somehow feel like they're, they're broadly on target. So that was kind of my question about this. Cause this is something I've heard about. And Sarah, thank you for telling me that it's only a decade old. That's why I'm not terribly familiar with it. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking it was much more ancient practice. Um, but like, where do you get a list of words from? I mean, I understand like the biblical context and, and, mm. and the fruit of the spirit makes sense, Steve, absolutely. And, and other things, um, hope, love, joy, and peace from Advent. I get those kind of words, but like, you know, where, I don't know, like what kind of words do you put on a star yeah, yeah, so luckily, because this was a practice invented with the internet, like <laughs> that's how it's been mostly spread about, I think, um, is clergy talking about it on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are several people, pastors, who have created blog posts with like Excel spreadsheets with a whole big giant list of words, which is how I came up with like my 200 words or whatever that's in Mm -hmm. a cup in the back of the sanctuary. Cause yeah, I didn't want to have to brainstorm them myself. That was a shortcut I took is I took somebody else's list from like three years ago. And um, I cut, like I printed them and I cut them out. And there was a couple of words that I was like, "Mm, I don't think I want to have the word sobriety in (laughs) in my list because that's going to hit very specifically for some people and Mm -hmm. like you know like that that's that's not it for me um like if if you think that you need a year to explore sobriety yes do that but i don't want somebody to just pull that from a cup like i'm just imagining the one eight-year-old in my congregation (laughs) pulling that and going 
what's this? <laughs> like, right, right, right. Um, so I did cull the list slightly, yeah, but sure. I think I pulled out two words and mm-hmm. that was it. The rest of them were very generic, very like you can find your own meaning in it. And, um, you know, I like I think it's just a I think it's a nice way to focus yourself for the year yeah. of like what biblical characters can I find in the Bible who had a, had a journey with this word or was somehow connected to this word or, you know, sure. what does God say about this yeah. word, if anything? Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, spirituality is one of these things. It can feel like a playground that like you can go in so many different directions, but like sometimes having something of a structure to hang things on lets you engage in maybe maybe deeper ways than if you had no structure at all. You know, I guess the same way maybe that you could have kids running around an empty field and they'll find games to play, but you put up a couple of swings and a jungle gym or something like that. And you've added structure, but you've added infinite possibilities there. And I kind of feel like practices like this are that kind of, yeah, we all know that it's not like God is commanding everybody to pick a word for their year. And we all know that it is possible to misunderstand it or abuse or just sort of forget about it after two days too. But there's the possibility with the structure. If you've been given, Hey, think about this word throughout the year, then in all those moments of our life, when there is downtime and waiting, you know, you're waiting in line at the grocery store or at the post office or in a waiting room somewhere, something like that. If there's a place to focus your thoughts in some possibly constructive way that lets you give a place for where does my reflection begin, that can be helpful rather than treating those moments as just wasted time or doom scrolling or something like that. And maybe maybe that's in a, in a bigger sense. Like I think that's, that's a, a helpful piece of a lot of faith practices, and this is a good example of, it's about reclaiming and reusing time differently. We, we talked earlier in Advent about the challenge of being waiting people and that we're not good at it collectively. Our culture sort of insists that we'd be doing something, even if it's just entertaining ourselves, and that if we can have ways to help develop our that intersection of spirit and mind and to, to use our thought life differently. And I, to me, it feels like the star words thing is, is a great way of doing that. Here's a place to start my reflection. And if that leads me to something else completely differently, fair enough. The, the, the word has done its mm-hmm. work, but it, it's not like you have to write an essay based on the word, but yeah, let it be a springboard. You could write an essay on the word though. Yeah, right. Right. You like, could a, I, yeah, you could write a hymn, you could write a poem. Um, in a lot of ways, this, this the Epiphany Star Words remind me of um, a scene from this young adult novel, Speak, who I can't remember the oh, author. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't want to like ha- go into a whole big thing about what this book is about, but part of the like a thread in it is um, the main character is a freshman in high school. And she takes an art class, like she gets stuck in it for some reason, like she didn't necessarily pick it, but like, she's she's in it. And the teacher has everybody draw a word from a broken globe that he has. And all of their art projects have to be about this word. And so her word is tree. And so for the whole year, she creates a hundred, a thousand different trees. And some of them are just like the two lines for a trunk in a circle for the like top part of the tree, like super simple. Like, and she's like, look there, I I created a tree. And he's like, all right, now create it again, create it again. Like just keep exploring the different ways that you can create a tree. And by the end of the year, like she's actually quite good at making trees. Like Mm. she can't necessarily draw a house. (laughs) 
but she sure can draw a tree. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes is a really important practice for us to not think about, we have to focus on everything about what it means to be a good Christian, yeah. but maybe if we focus on one thing yeah, and yeah. we really just focus our attentions on it and practice that one thing for a while. Yeah. I bet yeah. that starts feeling a lot more comfortable to us. It, it's interesting too, as you describe that, like to me, it feels like one of the things that I, I think at our best Protestants bring to the conversation about prayer and spirituality is avoiding uh, the dangers of just sort of like rote memorization of things, like just like reciting mm-hmm. memorized prayers. And it, I think it's helpful that we can be a voice that don't just recite words because it can it can feel like it's a magic spell or you're impressing God with your memorization skills. And then we're then we're left with, okay, well, what about when I don't know what to pray or our prayer lives then shrink to just being longer list of what I want God to do for me? And how do you explore it? There's a whole other territory of how in prayer might God be saying something to me? How do I listen for that? Or how do I let my mind and my faithful imagination play enough or wander enough that that God might get some words in edgewise in between all my demands and wish lists. And a practice like this could could allow that kind of space that it's not me saying, God, I'm going to you know recite these words that I've been told to memorize while I count the beads. But instead, OK, I'm going to let this word start where my thoughts go and I'm going to invite you to be a part of that conversation, God, um, but that it doesn't necessarily have to take the form of an essay or prayer or a poem, but it could, it, it allows that freedom with just enough of a starting point to feel like there's some traction, you know? I, I guess I kind of feel like in a, in a bigger picture, this practice, as novel as it is, um, in some ways has cousins in a lot of much more ancient Christian practices that's part of this bigger piece of how do we take biblical stories that are important and central and find ways to make them tactile or participatory so that there's a sense of this connects to my life in some way. And I was thinking about as as we've been talking about this, um, the tradition, especially in um, uh, Latin American countries uh, of doing Las Posadas, right? So like before Christmas tide of the, you know, this journey of the Holy Family seeking a place for shelter. And that's sort of another moment in this story. It's when Mary and Joseph were looking for a place for the Christ child to be born. Um, but it's sort of reenacted. And there's other moments in our life as church where we sort of take a moment in the story and reenact it together. It's every church that's done a Palm Sunday procession or something like we we do that from time to time. And I think why we do that is say this story is important enough that you not just hear it, but that we participate in some way. And so even it's not quite like we're required to travel on camel bringing gold or frankincense or myrrh. This is meant to say this story is important and we get to have a hand in enacting or touching or feeling it, sensing it in that way. Um, so in a way, I feel like even if this is a new thing, doing words on stars or, you know, that that there's a, a way in which we're saying this story is ancient and important enough that how do we make connections in our daily lives? And we've been doing that for a long time. I guess I, I even feel like in ancient Israel's memory too. That's a part of how the important festivals are remembered too. So that it's, mm-hmm. uh, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and I set you free. How will we remember? Eat this bread. And that the unleavened bread is like a moment to latch on to. Um, and nobody in classic ancient uh, Israel would have thought that we eat this bread to impress God, or this is a sacrifice. And we need this, but this is a reminder for us. Um, so it's not magic. It's not quite to where Christian theology go, will go with sacramental theology. Nope, it's bread, but it's bread with a story. And when we eat it, we retell the story in a way similarly, like the, the that connection you said right at the beginning, 
the Magi followed the star, it pointed them to Christ. What if this word for this year is something I will follow and see where it leads? And um, in the thought that God who's directing this process as well will help me be drawn to Christ through this reflection. Yeah, like because of the ages of my children, they're four and six. Like mm -hmm. a lot of their learning is tactile. Yeah. Like the things that they really remember have that thing that they can taste or hear or feel or you know that isn't just like words yeah. like obviously hearing is important too um but it, it's when you combine multiple senses yeah. and you're and you participate right yep like that is how we we learn things um and i think play is important yeah. too and i think as adults we kind of we have a tendency to not want to play in our learning because that feels childish um mm -hmm. which is a shame because again that's the best way for learning yeah. um but like i i think of like the um like we have a children's nativity set in our home it's like a little people nativity yeah. mm -hmm. and um we haven't done a whole lot with it as like a nativity this year because it's been mostly just played with but it, it reminds me a lot of the nativities in churches where like the pieces are moved from Sundays yeah. to Sunday, like, mm -hmm. right. Like it takes a while for Mary and Joseph to get to like the actual manger. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't arrive until December 24th. And please remember where you left baby Jesus, where you <laughs> hid him so that when the time comes, you can quickly yeah. and easily find him. Um, and that the wise men don't show up until January 6th. And, mm -hmm. but you can like slowly move them and yeah. in the sanctuary mm -hmm. towards um, towards the manger scene. Um, I think that that like that is an as aspect of playing that we do in worship sometimes to yeah. tell the story, yeah. which I think is really important for us to be able to tell the story in these multitude of ways. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad you mentioned that, that while people tend to be a little more open to the idea of kids having play, some at some point we think grownups are supposed to stop playing. And to me as uh, pastor in a congregation where we have the luxury of you will have a variety of people in you know church there'll be grown-ups but also kids you can do things with that sort of winking like oh this is for kids but as a leader you're like but seriously <laughs> this is for the adults they don't want to admit that they need it but how do we do these tactile things because grown-ups need that as well and it's easier for them to take the risk of doing something silly or childlike because we're saying that, yeah, this is kid friendly. Um, and but that sense of we don't outgrow the need for play. But at some point, grown up society tells us we should stop playing. And yeah, we, we end up just suffering and and not making the, the connections in our faithful imagination that we need to. So I, I think that's such a helpful example. And maybe even like in centuries past, before everybody had printed copies of their Bibles, it was the stories were envisioned in stained glass, you know, like or icons where so we've been doing this in different forms for a very, very, very long time. People who lived in the post printing press era like to imagine, no, all we've ever had is the written word. And that's what we do. We just read words and hear words. Mm -hmm. No, that's a relatively recent innovation. We've been using drawings and stories and paintings and stained glass, as well as figurines and things like that for a very long time, because the stories that matter most, how do we interact with them? I, I think that's so helpful. I guess I think too, the other thing this calls to mind is, and you kind of 
touched on this a little bit at the, at the beginning of our conversation, Sarah, is in some ways, this practice, this practice of getting a star word for the year can feel like it mirrors really closely what people often do at New Year's when they might, you know, pick a resolution or some people even choose words for their goal, you know, put it on their life board or their bulletin board. You know, and again, like that's not that's not a particularly distinctively Christian practice. Anybody can pick a word that's going to be your word for the year and that. Christianity has had to decide how do we negotiate when there are those trends that are going on in the wider culture? Do we automatically have to be skittish of them? No, we don't do that because that's not a Christian practice. Or we can we go, oh, that might be helpful. How could we how could we put a particularly uh Christian take on our way of doing this? So we might rule out certain words. Uh I, revenge is not one of my star word options, or um retaliation is not one of them, or you know, whatever. Um, so we we may stack the deck or or uh, change the trajectory of what the words might be, um, but that it's okay to draw from things that are, are trends or practices in the wider culture um, and to see, oh, if that's helpful. Yeah, we can use it the, the same way. Again, for centuries, uh, St. Bridget's cross was already a pagan symbol and Christians in Ireland said, hey, wait, let's use that symbol and we'll, that'll be our variation on how we tell the cross of Jesus. Great. Um, and I mean, plenty of times in Christian history, we've taken things that already existed mm -hmm. or were going along in the wider culture. Sometimes that gets abused, but like we talked about at Christmas time, there's nothing harmful about Christmas trees per se. Uh, and that was that had roots outside of and before Christianity. And we found ways, okay, we could also use this without immediately saying, nope, burn it down because it doesn't originate in a church. Can I ask you a, a, a practical question, Sarah, about your use of this this year? Um, sure. Do, do you imagine that uh, after the first day when everybody picks their words, is that the last you'll mention it? Or will there be some point later in the year when you'll be like, hey, remember those words? Let's share them. Or does it just sort of it's a one and done kind of a thing? So in, in the illustrated ministry handout, okay. uh, there is a, like one of the last sheets. Like it, it's a pretty small document. It's only a couple of pages. Um, because the like the document is meant for like you buy it for a congregation not mm -hmm. necessarily like um for personal use but uh, the last page is like i think a mid-year and an end of year check-in oh cool so no it does not need to be a one and done mm -hmm. thing it's uh, at the time of this recording it is january 4th mm -hmm. and i'm having a hard time seeing beyond lent Sure. So I don't have anything at this time planned for a sure. mid-year or end-of-year check-in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But like that idea, I mean, and we've talked before, I think even on this podcast about how practices like this for Epiphany, we often like don't even get around to thinking about Epiphany because we've got so much mm -hmm. to be dealing with in preparation and Advent and Christmas and January gets short shrift. <laughs> um, but so you know, we, you can fall behind the eight ball too, thinking, well, we have these great intentions in January and then life gets busy again. But with the opportunity to think, yeah, if, if we're treating this a whole year at a time, then yeah, come the middle of the year, it could be, hey, remember that? I mean, and and we can frame it in a way that doesn't bring the guilt of failed New Year's resolutions. You know, so often people are like, well, here's my resolution and I didn't do it for more than two weeks, so I give up. And then if you mention someone's resolution later on, it sort of carries that, you know, that the, the stink of you failed or you're not good enough or guilt because, but this can just be, I didn't ask you to do anything in particular with the word, but just here's the word, hold on to it. And when we come back later in the year, yeah, what what does that word look like for you? And maybe there's a moment for, yeah, write a write a uh, reflection or draw a picture. I mean, th where you can prompt, but it doesn't, it doesn't come the baggage of homework, you know? Yeah. So, for the two of you, this first time you've both done this in your respective congregations, 
I'm assuming first time you've done it in your ministry. Um, so how I, I've done things like this. So how do you introduce it to a congregation? Like, yes, you have the stars or the words or whatever available to the congregation. Does it become part of your sermon? Is it just part of something like you mentioned in worship? Is like, it's a write-up in the bulletin, a little bit of combination of all of the above. Like, because you can't just like place something in the back of the sanctuary and say, hey, pick this up on the way out and be like, great, good luck. Yeah. yeah. So I have my plan A at the moment and I am working on a plan B because we have the possibility of a major snowstorm this weekend, which might impact worship. So mm-hmm. my plan A, if we can have in-person worship and be together, but we also have like Zoom, like, you know, the live stream component as well. Um, but I have a material in the back and I'm going to be standing in the back to make sure that people can like pick stuff up on their way in. And then it's going to be part of my sermon time. So I'm going to introduce what this is and how it's connected to Epiphany at the beginning of the sermon. And then we're just going to take some time to like either pass around the cup if you would prefer to pick from the cup or spend time in mostly silent prayer to like discern your word. And and then I'm kind of thinking some time to like just chat with your neighbor about like, oh, I got this word. What word did you get? Oh, like what immediately springs to your mind when you hear this word that you've just picked? Um, Like what in your past that can you like kind of connect with this word? Or like, can you think of any Bible stories or hymns that might connect to this word? So just some time for a conversation during that sermon time. Um, I have yet to like think of, what my plan is though if we can't have in-person worship I'm still kind of mulling on -hmm. what this might look like if it's a zoom only worship service um and how I can make that work for me where I am um because it's a new practice uh for the congregation and for me um I uh made like a uh short like video introduction to put up on social media that was up early in the week for like hey here's this thing and here's where it connects to the story of the magi and so we got this invitation and all of our stars are spread out we got this really big table in our gathering space uh in the church and so they're all laid out with thought then people can pick uh, they can choose their word if they want. Um, I got to stack the deck and pick in the words. <laughs> um, but um, that uh, I'll invite f- folks at the end of worship as they're headed back out. If they haven't picked one up on the way in, hey, here's what this is. And also I'll have a chance with the kids in Sunday school to like take time with them and say, hey, here's this invitation. Each of you can take one right now. So that at the very least, the kids who are the people who are most tactile minded and my, for whom I think they most might get the biggest kick out of a, their own glow in the dark star. Um, like these will be the people that will mm-hmm. I'll spend the additional time with in Sunday school conversation with. Um, and again, like, I think it'll be a year by year. We'll see if this is the kind of tradition that the congregation is like, Oh, that's cool. Let's keep doing this. Great. If not, it costs all of, you know, 10 bucks in glow in the dark stars and a Sharpie marker to write words on. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there, there's also just so many options online as to how you can do the stars Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i i hadn't seen the glow in the dark versions but i think that's really neat um again i bought that like four dollar illustrated ministry thing which came with like a coloring sheet so that you can write your own word and then like color in the sheet and um again very like 
artsy minded and yeah 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 and again i think like this is like one of my other non-epiphany related but like personal ministry philosophy things is any chance we have to encourage creativity in our faith as well like Mm-hmm. so any chance to do something that is artistic is is helpful both because it connects with people for whom that's their talent and that's part of how they process things but also that connection of that faith isn't just a matter of memorize these facts uh and then you get into heaven but more like that we're invited into this dynamic ongoing sort of creative process uh in our relationship with god and the way you engage that isn't just to lecture at people god wants you to be creative but you create that that holy place for play yeah so you both have an advantage i don't and the fact that you're serving one church yeah like you have that time to to spend the service can go a little bit longer where i have to run down the hill and as sarah said like on a weekend like this in a snowstorm it might take longer to run down the hill i'm having to learn with two services with not a lot of time in between on a sunday morning i've oh yeah schedule on sundays so i've got to be thinking differently there but uh yeah it, it it there are, there are things I can do here in this setting because of the space and because of the setting that, yeah, wouldn't be possible else, you know, in other. And the other thing that's weird, too, is there are some years where Epiphany falls on a Sunday and we do Epiphany as its own thing on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. There's some years where Epiphany, where I was serving before, we would do an Epiphany burning in the green service on whatever evening it was. Um, and it was the fire that was part of the big tactile sort of sensory thing. Um, and uh, then there's years like this where our Sunday worship is going to be focused on the baptism of our Lord. And so Epiphany, I don't want it to ignore it like, oh yeah, it didn't happen. Um, but also n- not let it com- not let it be in competition with the other things going on that day. So mm-hmm. it'll be a different feel for us and we'll see over time what that emerges to be like. Mm-hmm. So for whatever uh, things happen in your world where you are, if you're in a congregation that is celebrating or observing Epiphany in some way, um, we hope that uh, the story about Jesus being revealed to all the world is a helpful one for you. And if you're not in a place that is practicing something like uh, Star Wars, no, you have the freedom to pick on your own some kind of a word or invite someone as a trusted faith mentor. Hey, what words might you commend to me to think on or reflect on in this year? That's a way to do this uh, without getting gimmicky with stars. You can just ask someone, hey, what words do you think would be helpful for me? And let that be a part of your faith life as well. So all those adventures and more conversation next time here on Crazy Faith Talk. See you all. Bye.